listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I concluded a series a week ago on motherhood, the joys, challenges, and trials, and I focused in that series on the value that moms have if you are a mom listening to this and I also pulled some truths from the Bible regarding mothers not only their value but some truths to encourage moms on their journey if you are someone who is worn out in your mothering journey if you have maybe small children and you're up all hours in the night you're not getting much sleep or maybe you have teenagers and you're dealing with disrespect and you're dealing with constant testing of boundaries and things like that, then this series is one that can really encourage you. I know as a mom of three that I was very encouraged and even surprised by some of the truths as I looked into certain scriptures that I thought I knew so well. I looked deeply into those and I realized that the there is so much in the Bible to encourage a mom's heart. Um, so if you're worn out or you have a friend who is going through a really tough mothering season, that this is something you can share with them. You can access all of the episodes here on SoundCloud if you're a subscriber on SoundCloud, or you can jump on the blog, BeulahGirl.com, click on the podcast tab, and all of the episodes are there if you'd like to listen in. For this current series, this episode, I'll be kicking off a new series on trials. And this is one that I've been wanting to do for some time. In fact, for several months. But when I planned to do this series, I had no idea that the message I would be sharing would be one that I would have to actually live out. And, you know, sometimes when I do episodes, I pull stories or truths from a past season that I've walked through or past, you know, lessons that God has taught me. And it's not necessarily pertaining to something I'm walking through, but then other times I share on a topic that is literally that which I'm going through at the moment. And this is one of those times where I'm literally, I'm able to share what I'm sharing because it's the message that, that God is sharing with me at the moment and is that which is encouraging me at the moment. And so if you're someone who tuned in because you're going through a really hard season and you're just literally bombarded on all sides and you don't know how it is that you're going to make it through or you don't feel like you have strength to make it through, then this is a message that's going to be one that is going to encourage you in the midst of your struggle. I'll be focusing on the um, reason that we can rejoice in the midst of hard circumstances, pulling from James 1, 2 through 4. Just to give you a little bit of an idea of the how I can, um, the message, how the message has been so pertinent to me lately. So if you've tuned in to previous episodes, you know, maybe some pieces of my family's story and what we're going through at the moment, but we have been walking through just a trying season at the moment where I'm married to a high school, um, coach, a coach of high school students, I should say, not Um, That sounded wrong. Um, A coach of high school students. My husband is a coach, works at a high school as a teacher. And 
when he's coaching, he is gone for long hours. Um, he comes home late at night because he often has two or three games a week that last, you know, can last until anywhere 10, even 11 at night. And then he has practices and then there's booster club meetings. There are fundraising events during the season. There are so many different things going on that we, we don't see him much. And I have, you know, three children ages 10, seven, and three. And so as much as I'd like to be at many of these events, a lot of times I have to simply be at home because my kids have activities going on and I don't want them out late every night on a school night. And I have to kind of keep things running while my husband is away doing his job. So there is just the, the stress of the, just the demands of being a coach's wife. But then on top of that, this year, my husband has been completing a specialist degree. And when he initially signed up for it, I was thinking, okay, well, it's only a year. It's not that big of a deal. But y'all, this has been literally the longest year of my life. Um, it's gone by fast, but long, but it's lasted a long time at the same time that not only is my husband, you know, has he been gone a lot with his coaching responsibilities, but then on top of that, he's been gone on the weekends, you know, he'll just go to a coffee shop or go somewhere to study, to research, to read articles and write papers and submit his work because he has all of these assignments that have been due for this program. So I literally feel, have felt for the last few months, like a single parent. I'm, you know, I'm always with the, with my kids and even you know, one of my kids in particular struggles when his dad is away. For some time, this this child really thrives when my husband is home and doesn't do so well when he's gone. So I've had some challenges with one particular child. And then my youngest is a toddler and has been going through the normal, you know, um, I want independence. Um, I'm going to throw tantrums when I don't get my way type of phase. And all of that's just normal development. She just turned three, my youngest, but these, you know, I've, the behavior of, you know, that I've been dealing with while my husband has been away has left me just so worn out. There's some mornings after I send my oldest two to school where I'm literally sitting downstairs and my toddler doesn't always she doesn't, I let her sleep in in the morning and she'll sleep in quite a long time, usually till nine o'clock in the morning. And that's my quiet time in the morning. Sometimes I'll blog in the morning, but there have been times that I'm literally sitting there thinking to myself, um, if I don't know if I have the energy to go up the stairs and get her out of her crib when she cries. I mean, I literally am just that worn out of just around the clock care. And so all of this going on has been very taxing. But then on top of that, we've had some trials the last few weeks that have added an extra pressing burden um, on our backs. So a few weeks ago, all three of my kids got sick at the same time. And so, and then our youngest got strep. So it was like 10 days of antibiotics for her. And then right after all the kids got well, our van broke down and we had some very expensive repairs with our van. So coordinating a different vehicle and then getting that van to the shop. And then right after that, our air conditioning unit, right around the time that weather got warm, because we live in Georgia and, you know, the temperature's around mid eighties and 
if you don't have air conditioning, it can be miserable. And so our air conditioning unit froze up. We found out we didn't have a needed sensor installed. And so it ended up not being a big deal, but it was like having to call a repairman. And then right after that, our washing machine, um, a hose broke off the bottom and water flooded into our laundry room and then seeped into our dining room below. That was the week of Easter. I had to cancel Easter dinner we had to order a new washing machine. There were several days we went without one. And again, I'm a mom of three. So I'm doing anywhere from one to three loads a day of laundry just to kind of keep up and make sure my my kids and my husband, they have clean clothes to wear. And so we got that sorted out. And around the same time the washer was having problems, our dishwasher started acting up. And we have a fairly new house, so we shouldn't be having problems. But I also do... You know, I cook almost every night, so I do about three loads of dishes a day. And so we we're having these problems with our dishwasher where it would just short out. the It would stop working in mid-cycle and completely lose power. And I tried to, we tried clean the filter and, and that helped. And then I did something to the parts on the bottom where the entire thing died, basically. I burned, um, accidentally burned the, uh, I don't know what it's called, but the thing that turns the bottom that's plastic, accidentally fried that on the burning element. And our dishwasher is now done. So this week we were supposed to get a new dishwasher, which we really can't afford right now. And I was literally, you know, feel like I'm crawling to the finish line. It was supposed to be delivered Thursday. And then they called and said, oh no, we can't deliver Thursday. It's going to be the next week. And... I've been hand washing dishes. Like I've been hand washing, hand drying. And again, I know there are people that don't have dishwashers. Maybe you're somebody who you wash your own dishes. I know that this is a, a, a luxury to have these appliances, but you know, I'm spending hours of my day hand washing dishes and it's really frustrating And on top of that, we had a bus incident where I'm having to drive my kids to school now, at least in the afternoons, I'm picking them up because we've had some issues in the, in the afternoon with lack of supervision of the kids. And I've just been feeling like it's not safe for them to ride the bus. So I'm, I'm sitting in the carpool line and picking them up. So literally by four o'clock in the afternoon, I feel like I've have completely wasted my day. I've spent hours washing dishes, sitting in a carpool line. I'm like, what did I do today? And it's just really frustrating. And on top of just being exhausted because we're at the end of the coaching season, it's, it, you know, we've gone through this whole coaching season. My husband has been working on this degree and gone nonstop. So, you know, I've just been telling God, you know, Lord, I don't know how much more of this can I can take. I mean, maybe one or two of these things that... I could handle, but all of them at the same time, it's just too much. Like I can't deal with it. Our verse that we're focusing on today says this, James one, two through four says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This verse, if we read it, just initially without really looking deeply into it, it can almost be, I think, irritating or even offensive. If you're going through hardships, if you're going through hard times, we can look at this verse and saying, you know, we're supposed to be joyful 
in when we're facing irritating circumstances and trials, you know, that 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 is not comforting. How are we supposed to be comforted by that? How is that supposed to help us, right? But I think that we may have this view of this verse, and I know I certainly have, is when we don't truly understand maybe what this verse is saying. And I know certainly before I started looking into this, I didn't understand what this verse was truly saying. I had some misconceptions surrounding it that actually when we look deeply into it, James is giving us practical wisdom that is actually very encouraging for our toughest times. And it's in really looking at what this is saying that we can truly be encouraged. So I want you to stay with me for a minute. But I want to pull out two ideas from this verse. And the first is the the wording right at the beginning when it says consider it pure joy. James is not telling us that the hard circumstances we go through are joyful. Rather, he tells us we are to consider or look upon view the circumstances we're going through that are hard as a reason to rejoice because there is a purpose in the trial sent our way. And it tells us that purpose later in the passage, but it says they that these trials are producing in us, they're testing our faith and producing in us something of value. And I love what commentator E.M. Zare says on this point. He says, count it all joy cannot mean to pretend that Believers get enjoyment out of that which is disagreeable, for that would be an act of insincerity. The idea is that they should regard it or the trials as something that would result in a benefit. So he's saying that the verse is not telling us to fake feelings that aren't there, to refuse to acknowledge our pain or difficulties. Instead, the verse is telling us to consider the trials we're going through in a positive light, not because they are positive, in and of themselves, they're not fun, but because of what they are producing in us. And I love that this is what the verse is truly saying, because I think the reason that I've not really liked this verse very much in the past is I thought that it was just telling me to be happy, to to just paint on a smile, even in the midst of hard circumstances. And that can be really insincere and fake that it's not healthy to just gloss over and not acknowledge what we're truly feeling or the pain that the formula we often see in scripture with you know different people that are going through tough circumstances isn't a pretending that the pain isn't there isn't a glossing over what we see is an acknowledgement of real feelings And then a turning to God and then allowing him to help us through the circumstance or change our perspective. We see that with Job. We see that with David. We see that with other people, um, King Hezekiah. We see them struggling in a circumstance and then getting encouragement from God. So it's not telling us here, oh, you know, just plaster on a smile, pretend like everything's okay. It's not telling us. It's saying that. We can view our trials as a cause for rejoicing because of what they produce. And I also want to point out that the trials that it's talking about are not those that come into our life because of poor choices on our part. These aren't trials that come about because we're making sinful decisions and then we have consequences that result. These are trials that we fall unexpectedly into 
that literally are surrounding us as we're walking in our faith, as we're following Christ. And these could include trials like I described, appliances breaking down, they could be unexpected bills, they could be a health scare, or just the stress of maybe an ongoing illness that the doctors don't have a solution for us. And we just have to live with the pain, chronic pain day in and day out. Whatever the case, these are trials that God has allowed us in his life allowed in our life and he may have even orchestrated or sent these trials because of what he wants to accomplish in us and that can be a hard idea to take in but he's sending them or he's allowing them because of what they are going to produce in us and that leads me to my next I think point I want to draw from this passage is that in this passage it talks about how these trials they are providing a test of our faith and they are producing perseverance in us. So I want to, I guess, kind of look into that idea that these trials we're going through are not purposeless. They're not just hard things that we have to walk through and the pain is just for no reason. No, these are going to have a, they do have a distinct purpose. And this testing is not only that which we normally think of when we think of testing, as in a test to see what's already there, a test to see how, you know, uh, our faith, this testing of our faith, the trials we go through, that it also means in this passage that it to to produce that which we don't have yet but God desires to put within us. So again for me and maybe for you listening maybe the reason I've never fully understood this verse is I assumed when it talks about testing of our faith trials as a you know a testing of our faith I always thought that it meant that God stands back he tests us to see if we can pass a test and he's just checking, you know, on this piece of paper, I almost imagine him saying like, okay, fail, pass. And, you know, there are times that we are tested to determine what's there. And this verse is saying that these trials do produce a test. And it does, you know, mean in a sense to, you know, to, to test what's already there. But also the meaning of test in this passage is that these tests is is designed to develop what we don't have already. So if we're desiring to develop a certain virtue God wants us to have, overcome a sin pattern or habit he's pointing out to us, this idea of God putting us to the test might be frustrating at first if we just view the trials we're going through as an opportunity, um, not as an opportunity um to grow but a failure if we don't meet the opportunity but if we view it as an opportunity to grow then suddenly the trial takes on a different appearance and we see that that God is really a God of love and that he's behind every detail of our lives and he isn't orchestrating or allowing hard situations to watch us fail but rather to help us grow what is needed as the verse explains in its conclusion to become mature spiritually so that we can you know be whole So how exactly, we've been talking about how our trials develop perseverance, and I was attempting to kind of understand, okay, well, how do trials 
develop perseverance. I mean, don't trials do the opposite and make us want to run from God or make us want to abandon our faith? And certainly that temptation is there and it can test, you know, how devoted are we truly to God? But as I was attempting to kind of understand, you know, how is it that trials produce perseverance? Um, I asked God just sort of for some help. I was praying about it. And the day that I was praying about it, I prayed about it. And then a few hours later, my kids had come home from school. I, I totally kind of forgot that I'd even asked, honestly. And I was on the playground and my with my kids and my oldest daughter, who is 10, just happened to start telling me about her day and she had had a physical fitness test in PE and she just randomly started telling me about how she was able to run faster than this particular boy in her class and she asked me she was a little confused she said well mom why is it that I can run so fast and you know how kids kind of don't have a filter and they kind of sometimes you know brag about their talents without even really knowing it and so that was kind of what was going on in this moment of, well, mom, I'm such a fast runner. And how is it that I'm so, so fast? And um, how can I run faster than this other boy? And she said, is it because we eat healthy food? And she had that question because just the day before I had been talking to my kids and I had explained to them why I'm such a big proponent, why I make them eat the healthy food that they do. And you know, I frequently am trying to explain the reason behind why I do certain things to them. And I explain to them that healthy food helps us grow strong, helps our organs, helps us fight off disease, that helps our bodies to work the way that they were designed to work. And so she had equated, okay, well, I eat healthy, so maybe I'm now a fast runner. And I, you know, explained to her that, yes, you know, diet does have to do with um, does help our bodies perform better. But I explained to her also that there's more to it than that. And that I believe that she was able to do so well in PE with running fast and the other little exercises they have because she's also a dancer and a lacrosse player. And so she has built up her endurance physically because she uses those muscles and she goes to like, for instance, her dance class and dance, you know, she uses those. And so when she actually has other physical drills to do and pee and so forth, she's able to do those quite easily because she's constantly building up her endurance by going to her dance practices. And earlier in the year, she was in lacrosse. And so it dawned on me as I was explaining to her just as we are able to get through challenging fitness drills or exercises more efficiently when we have been consistently exercising and building up our endurance, we can also tackle God's assignments with better efficiency and ease and the trials he sends our way when he grows us to be able to handle the assignments that comes our way. So we build up our spiritual muscles much like exercise builds up our physical bodies. Trials, the hard things we're going through, we may be saying, God, you're punishing me. You're sending this my way you know, to make me miserable. And then, but actually there can be a whole re lot of reasons that God sends trials. We may be going through some discipline. He doesn't punish us if we're believers with trials. Um, the punishment for our sin has been given to Jesus, was given to Jesus on the cross. He took away that punishment and God's wrath 
for our sin. So sometimes God disciplines and, and teaches us. But our trials are those that are helping us to grow and become what God desires us to be. Therefore, James in this passage isn't telling us to rejoice um, just to fake to the world that we're okay. No, he's telling us we can rejoice through the hard times knowing that the hard things are producing in us that which can only be produced through trial and not in the calm, peaceful times that we all want to go through in life. I want to just close with a story. My brother and sister-in-law fell into some unfortunate circumstances this winter. They woke up to a flood in their house downstairs, several inches of water. They had a pipe underneath their sink that broke and spilled water into their entire downstairs. They did not know about this pipe until they came down in the morning and there was water absolutely everywhere. And thankfully insurance covered the damage, but they had to rip out their wood floor. They had to rip out all of their cabinets because they were completely water damaged. And everything in their kitchen had to go pretty much except the sink and the appliances. Even their countertops had to go because they were cut into as they were removing um, the sink. I'm not sure the exact reasons, but they had to replace their entire downstairs floor. They had to replace, of course, repaint and replace their entire kitchen. And it was a several month process where their kitchen was being, um, the water damage was cleaned up, the kitchen was ripped out, and then new cabinets were restored. And they went through the holidays without anything in their kitchen except for a makeshift sink and some appliances and nothing else. And it was a challenging time. And it was not easy because they didn't have a working kitchen and they didn't have a floor for several. It wasn't just a week or two. I mean, this was, you know, it took a few months to complete, but they were able to pick out brand new cabinets, brand new granite countertops, brand new um, flooring and paint. And now it looks better than it did before. They have cabinets that they like better. They were able to really even add some of their own money and go custom and make it the way that they really want it to look. And they have an absolutely beautiful kitchen now. And it's even better than what was there before. And might they say, in looking back at the trials they went through with their pipe leaking, that what's, you know, that it was kind of, that it was worth it. And I definitely think they would say that it was because what's there is better than what was there before. And the same thing can be said of our trials. They are not fun to walk through when we're in the middle of them. We wish they were gone. We wish we didn't have to go through them. But if we can view them while we're in the hard places as those that are going to produce in us that which cannot be produced any other way, God knows what we need to produce, what is needed in our life, that it's so encouraging. And, and we can look at it as not, you know, we're not, God's not necessarily up there in heaven with clipboards saying, well, you fail. You didn't react the right way here. No, he is giving us an opportunity to develop in us what is needed. And so we can view that as, wow, what I'm going through, these hard things, it's not necessarily a pass fail test. This is God providing out of his love an opportunity for me to grow what is needed. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
When we're in the middle, it feels like we'll be here forever and all the hard work we're doing won't be worth it, but it certainly will. God is going to complete in us what he has started. The only one that can stand in the way of that is us. If we resist the process or we just run away. And so we're reminded when James to press in, to, to view our trials with the right perspective, knowing that they are producing in us good things and turning to God in the midst of them instead of running or instead of resisting, instead of growing hardened or rebellious. And someday we'll be able to stand back and say, wow, that is why I went through that. I mean, we don't always get an explanation for the hard things we go through, but often I know certainly in my own life, I can look back and say, wow, I did not like walking through that season, but I got such a gift from that season um, in that it, it enabled me to grow this particular trait, or I'm so much stronger in my faith now, or I'm able to depend better on God. So those trials produce in us that which we can gain no other way. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, life is really hard and life throws us curveballs that we don't expect. All of a sudden things are going great. And then we find ourselves in a situation that we could not have foreseen that we did not know was going to come our way and that we don't know how we're going to find our way out of. Lord, you promised to be with us. You promised to rescue us in the midst of our hard circumstances. So Lord, for the people listening that are walking through hard circumstances, Lord, just be with them. Help them to turn to you in the midst of their trials and help them to cling to James 1, 2, and 4, knowing that they don't have to fake it. They don't have to pretend like everything's okay, that they can acknowledge their pain to you. They can tell you how much it hurts, but that ultimately, Lord, they can view the hard things they're going through, not as a punishment, not as a, um, you know, not as some pointless, you know, pointless thing that's going to make them miserable, but Lord, they can view it as a, a season that's going to develop in them the qualities that are going to make them spiritually mature and whole. And that, Lord, whatever you've allowed or even orchestrated in our lives is that which is going to be for our ultimate good because you love us. You don't punish us. That punishment was given to Jesus on the cross. But you do allow hard things to cause us to grow, to spur us to become more like your son and be who you intended us to be. So thank you, Lord. You don't just leave us alone. You don't let us just, you know, be exactly as we were when we came to Christ, but that you make us better and make us grow in the image of your son and make us more like you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.